Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Ooh, welcome back to the 3-0 Take, presented by SeatGeek. This is episode 383. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and that's all you're getting today, because I... I'm running this thing solo today. Uh, some some personal things came up with Nate today, uh, last minute. So figured rather than just bang this thing, I said, you know what? I'll run it. We'll see how it goes. It's only third, fourth episode running solo. Uh, you'll have to dig back in the archives, some of the older episodes, uh, to find those, see how those did. I think episode one, the episode that shall not be named or discussed. Uh, I think I ran one solo in the 18 World Series, which, looking back, don't know how I did that or why I did that, but I guess it was because it was the World Series and we had to get it done. But I think Nate was out sick or something. So all I have to say, running this thing solo, so bear with me. Uh, Got some... Some topics I want to run through real quick. Got some uh, weekend series rundown I want to get to. Um, but, you know, figured better give you something than nothing at all. So it may, it may be quick. We'll see. I doubt I'm going to go a full hour. If if I went that long, I'd understand if you didn't want to sit around with uh, your friend, old KC, for that long anyway. So I'd understand. But we'll try to keep it quick. Just wanted, like I said, wanted to give you guys a little something here to start your week. Uh, it is the final Monday of August. Thank goodness we have reached the near end of this horrendous month, as we've talked about on the last couple episodes. Just the worst month of baseball, I would argue, uh, of the year of the season. Uh, so, I you know what I celebrated. I said, you know what, we're coming up on the end of the end of August. I'm gonna revamp the the office a little bit. Um, so it's unfortunate because you can't see it. And even if you're watching on YouTube, which by the way, go subscribe on YouTube. Every subscription helps. Um, like I said, even if you don't watch our videos, every subscription helps. Uh, it's unfortunate because you can't see it. And unless I give some sort of like tour video, which I may end up doing. I think I did that at my <laughs> at our apartment that we moved from into here. You know, it's just this. This nice little cozy uh, guest room that I converted into an office. All you can really see is what's behind me here. Uh, but you know, put up some, put up some memorabilia, put up some pennants. It's looking good. It's looking good. I I painted. It's black as you can as you can see in the video. Uh, but really, only had what was behind me painted up until this weekend. So took some time. Uh, took the, the few evenings I had this weekend to go ahead and knock the painting out. So it is looking good, feeling good. It just feels better to be in here. So you know what? Maybe that was the the push that I needed to, to run this thing solo. Uh, off the top here, now that we got all that out of the way, now that we got all the housekeeping out of the way, little buy-sell as, as Nate and I have been, been doing the last few episodes, I am buying, and I'm not sure if you all saw this, I am buying this whole Brandon Hyde fantasy football thing. I don't like I said, don't know if you guys saw this. It was actually revealed to me like this morning. I didn't even know about it until I saw it, I think maybe on MLB Network or something. 
But Brandon Hyde, manager of the Baltimore Orioles, best in the American League, took to the batting cage this weekend as a way to determine his team's fantasy football draft picks, which I'm all in. He said, the only thing I was really trying to do was avoid some injury. So he he goes out. Uh, I think I read that he he laid down a few bunts, took a few warm-up hacks, and then it was it was hot out of the gate for him. I think, I think I read that Adley was the first ball because they basically what they did is they wrote the names of the players on the ball and whoever uh, the, the order was determined by the distance of each guy's ball that he hit. And I think they said Adley's Adley's was first. And as you would imagine, first one out of the bucket, the first go at this thing for, for old Brandon Hyde, uh, I don't like my odds if I'm Adley, but I think they said he, I think I read that he, he like roped one out in the center and like, it, it wasn't too bad. Um, but I'm all in on that, man. If you guys have listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I'm a huge proponent of managers that, uh, are in like in tune with their players and, and a part of uh, certainly not you know, super buddy, buddy, because I definitely think there needs to be a, a distinguish, uh, like you need to distinguish who's in charge and who's the one or who are the ones that are on the field, that product, there needs to be a little bit of a difference, but I'm all, I'm all in on the managers that are the players, managers that have their players back, Alex core guys like that a uh, little bias there, of course, but uh, Brandon Hyde, we, we can't sing this guy's praises enough. We, for the last couple years, we've been talking about, um, how we were hoping that he would get this opportunity for having to ride out those couple garbage seasons with the O's or few, I don't even remember how many it was, but to see him get this opportunity to get this chance, I'm all about it. And I love to see that they're having, having a little bit of fun with it. So I'm I'm buying absolutely Brandon Hyde's. Uh, I don't even know if it was his idea. I think I read maybe it was Adam Frazier's idea. I can't remember what I saw, but all that to say, love that. Uh, all in on that. Weekend series rundown. We'll get you through this real quick. Like I said, don't know how long this episode is going to take. Usually don't run this thing solo, as you obviously know. But uh, we'll just get you through this and see see what it's like on the other side. Right off the top here, Angels over the Mets. Mets avoid a sweep on Sunday and snap a four-game losing streak. Uh, it was reported that Pete Alonso might be traded this offseason. In fact, I read reports that it's likely. Um, I, d- I don't want to waste your time re-explaining my thoughts on how I feel about Pete Alonso, but... Look, this is a that's a tough blow for Mets fans to have to digest, and I I did see credit to them as as you would expect a lot of pro uh, pro Mets fans in support of of wanting to make this guy a Met for life. Which, regardless how you feel about the guy, you can't you can't dispute the numbers that he puts up. The guy the guy's raw power is insane. Uh, as you could see by the deadlifting in the home run derby last year. Um, but it, as much of a cornball as I think this guy is, that that's tough, man. I mean, the Mets are... I I heard today... I ne- Hold on, I need to double-check this. I need to double-check this. Yep, confirmed. The Nationals, as of 
August 28th have a better record than the New York Mets. That's tough. If you're Pete Alonzo, you've essentially been bearing the brunt of this team's failures just because you're the face of the franchise. You've been doing your part. You've been putting up the 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 numbers to to carry your weight a little bit. And then you hear that the team is going to flip you this offseason and that the team also essentially said without saying it directly, unless they did say it directly, I didn't see that. I didn't see a direct quote. But basically nobody's off the like everybody everybody's in. Everybody's available for trade. Nobody's off the table here. You know, that's <laughs> Like I said, think the guy's a cornball, but that that's tough news to hear, man. I don't know how I would process that if I was Pete Alonzo, but I'm sure, um, assuming he wants to be there and he's happy there, which I would guess he is, he seems to like it, that's, that's a tough thing to have to hear, especially in the midst of the season that they've got going on right now. Uh, Orioles over the Rockies. The Orioles game against the Colorado Rockies on Sunday at Camden Yards was temporarily paused in the bottom of the first inning because of a swarm of honeybees in left field near the bullpens. The five minutes that this is this is key. This was part of the recap that I pulled from. They wanted to make sure that you knew this. The five minute B delay did not count towards the total time of game. Okay, just want to let you know in case you're really worried about the length of time averages that Major League Baseball has been putting forth this year. They want to keep this thing as short as possible. So, of course, they're not going to count a B delay towards that because you don't want to skew the numbers. Dodgers over the Red Sox. Oh, before we get to that, I did have a note there about Felix Batista. Terrible news. Tough blow for the O's. We'll get into that a little little later on, but we're going to keep going with this. Uh, weekend series rundown Dodgers over the rock uh, Red Sox Mookie Betts returns to Fenway for the first time since his trade shines in his return seven for 15 hits a homer had two doubles and four ribbies uh, Dodgers take two or three as I mentioned uh, we'll get into the the MVP discussion because there has been a shift in that believe it or not I know Braves fans looking at you Phillies sweep the Cardinals. Cardinals have have dropped nine of their last 11 and were shut out for the 11th time this season on Sunday. Sucks for the Cardinals. Doesn't matter for them. Phillies, this is a huge series for them. Uh, for them to be able to go and do what they did, a sweep is is crucial, is vital at this point in the season. As I mentioned, we've got about a month and some change left. Every win counts, and if you can pull out a sweep, whoo, good for you. Cubs take three of four from the Pirates. According to ESPN, Bellinger has 16 ribbies in his last nine games and an MLB best 53 ribbies since July 1st, has reached safely in 34 of his last 38 games. I don't care what the narrative surrounding this guy is. I don't care if he'll, if he ever reaches that MVP caliber that he had back in the day, eight was 18, 19. If he, if he can do what he's been doing this season for the Cubs over the course of a, a long-term contract that we can assume he's going to get, he bet on himself. If he can do that for a team, I think whoever picks this guy up will be more than happy. Good for Belly. Uh, Guardians over the Blue Jays. A Kind of a random note 
from this series, Noah Syndergaard DFA'd after his outing on Sunday. I don't know what the future holds for this guy. I mean, this guy is starting to bounce around more than your your average journeyman at this point. Like he's he's uh, running out of options if uh, if there are any left, to say the least. Astros over the Tigers. Verlander and and Miguel Cabrera reunite, uh, former teammates. There was a nice moment there on was it Saturday Sunday. A little tip of the cap from Verlander as Miggy stepped in the box. That's the kind of thing I I don't care what you say about Verlander. Don't care what you say about the Astros. A moment like that will give you chills if you're if you're a true baseball fan because you can recognize kind of the significance surrounding it. You can recognize the the emotion there, the humility. I'm all about stuff like that. I'm I'm a sucker for those kind of moments, especially a guy like Miggy. Who doesn't like Miggy? Um, so that was cool to see. But the Astros take the series, um, which is big for them because they they had recently just gone on a stretch where they had lost six to eight. So Albeit it's against the Tigers, series win is a series win. Rays over the Yankees, a little feisty. Benches and bullpens emptied twice. Count them, twice. Uh, In the eighth inning on Sunday, after, did I read this right? Five hit batters? Five? Yikes. Yikes. A uh, little note here, Yankees have lost their eighth straight series rubber game. So Yankees have not been able to close the deal on eight of their last series, which is, I guess, par for the course when you're playing as poorly as they are right now. Nationals over the Marlins, the fourth place Washington Nationals, mind you. Again, holding that four spot over the New York Mets, who I told were supposed to be good. Uh, prior to dropping the finale on Sunday, they still got the series win, but they dropped the finale on Sunday. Prior to that, they had won five of six and 11 of 14. I don't know what their schedule looks like right now. I don't know who's left, who they have to go up against. I don't know how many contenders they have to go up against, but for those teams, for those fans, uh, for those of you out there that follow teams that are in this thing. All I'm saying is don't laugh at the Nationals. Don't turn your nose up at the Nationals right now because they're playing, spoiler, about as well as a Washington Nationals team can at this point. So good for the Nats, man. The I know Nate laughs at me, but I, I think the future with the right moves starting with the front office, not as much personnel because I, I really think at this point in time for them, it starts at the top with some right some right uh, personnel moves at the top in the front office. I think the I think the future could could potentially be very bright for the Nats. They got some some good pieces. I mentioned a few episodes ago that um, I'm excited about, and I've have the luxury of going to see every now and then down the road. Uh, so we'll see what happens with them in the seasons to come. But as of right now, they're playing spoiler and they're doing it very well. Uh, the A's split a four-gamer with the White Sox. White Sox improved to 9-15 and 15 in the month of August. Good for the White Sox. I don't know how that's improving, but that's what the, that's what the news and notes that I, I looked over said, so we're going to go with it. 
Brewers sweep the Padres, a team we're going to get, or I keep saying we, that I'm going to get into here in just a minute. They've won eight straight games, the Milwaukee Brewers, and I know that's, that's Nate's favorite team. Except it's not, but he that's a tough pill to swallow for Nate, I think, at this point in time, because the team he loves to rag on, and for good reason. I, I I'm with them on that. I'm I'm not a big I'm not high on the Brewers, but I tell you what, man, this NL Central shaping up to be a little bit more interesting than I think we anticipated with with about a month left in the season. Uh, as I mentioned, eight straight wins. The Brewers have scored at least five runs in each game during this win streak and had at least six runs in all but one of them. They have scored as many as five runs just 53 times in their first 122 games. So the thing that we like to get on them for, the lack of the lack of uh, bats of ball, the lack of power, the lack of pop, the lack of run support for their pitching that we like to talk about so much, they're finally coming around. They've they've figured something out. Something has clicked for for this Brewers team, and it's uh, like I said, it's making the NL Central a little little bit more interesting. Uh, Twins take three or four from the Rangers. The Rangers fall from the American League West lead. How about that? The Rangers had, in in case you're wondering how long it had been. Rangers had held a share of first place in every day of the season except when they fell one game behind the Angels on April 8th. They've lost nine of their last ten. Something needs to change, and something needs to change quick in Texas. I don't want to say it's the curse of Max Scherzer. I'm... I haven't even checked the numbers. Don't even know how well he's pitched in the few starts he's had there since the deadline. All I'm saying is maybe take a look at the last two teams Scherzer's played for. How how have those seasons panned out? How is this season currently panning out for the Rangers right now? It's not very good. Not writing the Rangers off by any stretch. Not a doubt. No chance. I'm just saying... I think a lot of people were chalking them up as the AL West champs back in like May. I, I think that was a little early. All I'm saying is something's got to change. D-backs take three or four from the Reds. I believe this was Nate's weekend series to watch. Uh, it was a good one, man. The D-backs take three or four, as I said. They're currently holding on to the last NL wildcard spot. The D-backs lead Cincy by one and a half games. Reds fell, fall to nine and 15 in the month, month of August. While the D-backs, who began the month with nine straight losses, are 12 in 12. So after a slide for the D-backs, starting to, starting to click it into gear a little bit. Mariners, the red-hot Mariners, sweep the Royals. We're going to ignore that part. It's, it's the Royals. But they still get the sweep. Hey, we talk about it all the time. You do what you got to do against teams like that, and they did. Mariners, with the sweep, take over sole possession of first place in the West. How about this for the Mariners? The latest the Mariners have had sole possession of first place in a season since August 24th, 2003. Over 20 years. It's been over 20 years since the Seattle Mariners held sole possession of first place of the American League West in over 20 years. 
Good for the Mariners. Good for the Mariners. Red hot Mariners, that is. The Braves over the Giants, wrapping it up here. The Giants won for just the sixth time in their last 20 games. I think we were kind of on to this before it actually happened. We were not high on the Giants. Uh, as I mentioned, won for the sixth time in the last 20 games, and they have since fallen out of a wild card position. And it says that they... I don't even remember how... When did they hold the top wildcard spot? Can somebody help me out with that? I don't remember the last time they were, they held the top wildcard spot. For the last week, two even, it's been Philly? Was it, it would have had to have been prior to that, no? Right? Am I remembering this right? Surely it couldn't have been all that recent. It's been Philly for a while now. That's all I remember. Uh, but keeping it in the National League here, the Brewers. Let's just run through the Brewers here real quick. An eight-game win streak, as I mentioned. Uh, since being held to three runs over three games while getting swept by the Dodgers on their last road trip, the Brewers, as I mentioned, 8-0, averaging seven and a quarter runs per game. In four of the games on this 5-0 homestand for the Brewers, they scored at least five runs in an inning. And to run through that stat I gave you a little earlier, Brewers have scored at least five runs in each game during this win streak and had at least six runs in all but one of them. To repeat here, because I think this is very important. This is very important because up until this win streak, I, I think the narrative there that us, Nate and I, and a lot of people watching this team in this division race would agree with and the narrative that they were pushing was that the offense was lacking drastically up until this point lacking but to repeat myself they had scored as many as five runs just 53 times in their first 122 games five runs just 53 times in their first 122 games wild they, if I recall, the Brewers, as we talk about this central race, currently are gearing up for a series with the Cubs. So perfect timing for them. Perfect timing for the Cubs, honestly. The Cubs put up 10 in back-to-back -back games over the weekend, and they've won seven of their last nine. And let me confirm here just to be sure. They are four games back, I believe, currently. Four games back uh, in the division. So this is this is going to shape out to be, hate to say it, man. I really just want to write the Brewers off. Every, not even just this season, but every season, because I just don't believe in the Brewers. But at this point in the year, if you can put together an eight-game win streak like this, uh, look, I'm a preacher of mojo. I'm a huge proponent of mojo. And I don't know how much more mojo you can have than an eight-game win streak. So they're setting themselves up for... Uh, the, <laughs> this September, man, it's going to be spicy. The Cubs kind of seemingly kind of came out of nowhere. I don't even know how many Cubs fans believed in this Cubs team 
coming into the year and alas, here they are. So really we're looking at two teams that I think not a lot of people had in this conversation at this point in the season. So I don't know, man. I, for me, I'm I'm out on the Reds. It was a good story purely from the perspective of the division. They're I think what, 6 games back. I think that's with the and I and I only say that because of how well the Cubs and Brewers are playing. I I think with like I said a month and some change left. I think that's that's too much ground. Yeah, 6 games back. I think that's too much ground to make up in, in that amount of time, but Never say never. So Reds fans don't give up hope yet, but as someone who's not who does not have a dog in that fight regarding the Reds, I I'm gonna safely say I'm out on the Reds for the division. So they've got, as I said, they've got this series this week. Uh and then after this series, the Brewers and Cubs meet one last time in Milwaukee in the final series of the regular season from September 29th through August for October 1st, excuse me. So, Oh boy, we could be looking at one of them. If look, I'm gonna be honest with you. We could be looking at one of the more interesting division races between these two down the stretch. And I, and I say interesting purely from the point of view that it, as I've, have been kind of alluding to it's it's more of a surprise than anything like sure you're going to have more more interesting races between teams elsewhere uh in the league fighting for the the crown uh division crown rather but uh like the AOS I think everybody can safely say that's going to be the one that's going to have the most intrigue and most uh back and forth down this final month of the, the uh season but uh, I don't know, man. This one's going to be a fun one to watch. They got some good ball going down out there in the Midwest. Uh, switching gears here, Felix Batista. Tough break for the O's, as I said. Went on the 15-day IL on Saturday. Had damage to his UCL. They don't. Last I checked, they don't know the extent of the injury. Uh, so they have not necessarily ruled him out for the remainder of the season. They're hopeful, as you would Expect from a front office who holds arguably the best reliever in baseball. Uh, the fans are hopeful that he can make a return this season because they they will need him for sure. Um, he has been a cornerstone in this team's success throughout the year as the best team in the American League. Uh, it was cool, though, that... The team, I, I don't know whose who's idea it was, but it was, ironically, Felix Batista bobblehead night this weekend, and they put up his bobblehead in the bullpen, which I thought was cool. Don't know if any of you guys saw that, but a little cool way to honor honor Batista. And, you know, that's not to, not to throw a, a ricochet or a stray here at the White Sox, but that's kind of a way... Uh, 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 better more unique way to honor somebody on your team who's currently on the IL who's who's struggling with an injury who is a who's an integral part to your team's success throwback to the White Sox what was that two years ago I, I think at this point maybe even three I don't remember 
when it was uh who was that? Was it Eloy? Was it Luis Robert? It was one of those two. Whether I I know you know what I'm talking about. They brought out the jersey and they had like all signed the jersey and they were holding the jersey during pregame introductions. They hung the jersey in the dugout like the guy didn't die. So good for the O's for not throwing a, a funeral for this guy. Um, just you know, little little fun way to to kind of keep the the vibes high, keep some variation of Felix Batista in the bullpen, even though it's a bobblehead. I thought that was cool. But on the year, Batista's eight and two with a one four eight ERA. He has thirty three saves and thirty nine opportunities. We have seen a little bit of a slide over the course of I don't know, say few weeks maybe where he's he has had a little uh a few blown sla- blown saves I believe. I don't know if that's overuse. I don't know if that's uh too many consecutive high leverage situations without much of a break. I don't know if if uh I don't know if Hyde is going to that well too much especially in games maybe that they don't need as badly such as a non non division game uh maybe maybe they they're up 3 versus up 1 I don't know I I don't know the the extent of uh or the reasoning rather for his struggles as of late but all in all though still throwing well still one of the best in the game and as you would expect this is just brutal news for the Os uh, at this point but Again, hopeful he can he can come back. Uh, Yenier Cano did get the save on Saturday, the game the game after, because I think he went on. Yeah, the injury for Bautista happened Friday night. Uh, goes on the aisle Saturday. Cano immediately gets the the save on Saturday, which you love to see. Like you love to see a guy step into a situation that you know you're going to have to rely on a lot more, especially in even more higher leverage situations, because he's obviously a late inning guy. He's inherently going to get some high leverage situations, but now that you're presumably slotting him into that role now, uh, you're going to have to rely on that a lot more. So good on him for getting the save Saturday. He did get charged with the loss on Sunday, which you love to see the save on Saturday. If you're a nose fan, hate to see the loss on Sunday, but you know, maybe a little bit of a learning curve sliding into that role for him, especially after watching his, his buddy go out there just about every night and and get the job done. He does now, Cano rather has five saves on the season. He's got an ERA of one five seven. So just something to keep an eye on if you're an O's fan. Uh the National League MVP race. Again, I'm riding solo here. So I'm just I'm running down my list of topics I wanted to get to today. So there's no no real transitions here, no real segues. We're just, you know, I want to get in and get out, let you go on with your day. National League MVP race. I don't know if you're a Braves fan, if you want to close your ears, but, but according to DraftKings Sportsbook, Mookie Betts has slid in. I I don't even want to say slid in because that's almost insulting to the season he's put up thus far. He is simply dominated, overtaken his way to the top spot in the National League MVP race. All of us, including myself, had Acuna at the top of that list. 
not so fast, not so fast. It's it's all up for grabs at this point. Albeit Mookie is at the top, I could see any one of these names getting it, and they would be more than deserving. Shout out to MLB Metrics on Twitter. Put out a, they put out a tweet. Ronald Cunha Jr. is about to be the first 30-60 player in MLB history. Mookie Betts is on pace for over 40 home runs and almost a nine war. Almost a nine war. Freddie Freeman is hitting over 340 and on pace for the most doubles in a single season since integration. This National League, they round out the tweet by saying this is what they said, but I agree. This NL MVP race is absolutely nuts. That is insane. And to see Mookie Betts come into Fenway as I as we already kind of ran through. Makes his return to Fenway, answers the questions. Oh, did you want to stay? How much How much did you really want from, from ownership? Answers the questions with grace, explains his case, explains his situation, his thoughts on the matter. He's done with it. Dodgers fans have moved. He's moved on. Dodgers fans have moved on. Red Sox fans need to move on. It's done. He comes back, answers all that, deals with all the hubbub. And as I said, goes, what did I say? Seven for 15 so if there was going to be a point in time that maybe his uh, his his run right now, if you will, maybe got a little bit derailed or knocked off the tracks, you could have maybe looked at this Red Sox series and be like, man, you know, this guy's having a heck of a season. But coming back to Fenway, having to deal with that, that could you could see maybe a little bit of a slide. No, comes in, goes seven for 15 has a couple doubles, puts one over the fence, comes out the other side as the National League favorite entering the week of August 28th. Insane. All that to say does not discredit anything that Ronald Acuna has done to this point in the year. He's slashing 330, 413, 527, with 28 bombs, 59 stolen bases, and an OPS plus of 138. Uh, just to come, Just to go back just real quick, Mookie Betts, is slashing 315, 407, 611 with 35 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and an OPS plus of 171. Freddie Freeman, he's hitting 341. He's, I gotta let, we gotta pull this up. He's hitting so well that he, something that I don't feel like is being talked about enough right now, but if we're being honest, if we're looking at the numbers, Luis Arise, that that whole narrative kind of fell off with the whole batting average thing, if we're being honest. I, again, I know a lot of people don't care about that, which is fine. But if you are into batting average, if you're into that kind of thing, which I am, Nate is, we're, we're still a little old school in that regard. Luis Arise is hitting 350. So as much as we talked about Luis Arise, and it's safe to assume that a slide was inevitable. Like, it just wasn't sustainable to be to be hitting, what, three? Four, four ten, whatever he was hitting at that point in time. Freddie Freeman is now nine points behind Luis Arise, so this guy could win the the batting crown. We're we had him in the MVP conversation, but we're not even talking the fact about the fact that he could win the National League batting crown over Luis Arise. Are you kidding me? This National League, I'll say it again. I'll repeat MLB metrics on Twitter. This National League MVP race is insane. 
getting back to the slashes. Freddie Freeman, 341, 417, 514, 23 home runs, 17 stolen bases. How does Freddie Freeman have more stolen bases than Mookie Betts? That doesn't make any sense. No, I don't believe that. Does Freddie Freeman have... How many... How many stolen bases does Freddie Freeman have? There's no way. There's no way, right? As a first baseman? Come on. There's no way. Sure enough, 17. I'm an idiot. I should have known this. 17 stolen bases, Freddie Freeman, and an OPS plus of 167. If I'm looking at if I'm just looking at the eye test here, and I, I think the odds reflect this as much, and I, I think it's it's safe to assume here. Freeman of those three probably stands the the most outside chance. I think I think when MLB Network does their little award announcement ceremony thing where they got all the guys up on the screen, I think the two guys that are gonna be sweating the most. Mookie Betts, Ronald Cunha Jr. I think Freddie Freeman's just gonna be there. He's gonna be happy to be there. He's he might he may even have a batting crown in his back pocket at that point in time. But I at the rate it's going right now. I'm thinking it's between Mookie Betts and Ronald Cunha. It's not groundbreaking. I'm not saying that to be like, oh, I I have some inside data here. I don't. I'm just looking at the eye test. I think it's between those two. And uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a race. I mean, these are two guys. Mookie is going to be looking for his second MVP. Acuna is still looking for that elusive uh, first MVP. And my goodness, if he doesn't get it in a year like this, I don't know what the man's going to have to do to get his first MVP because the guy is doing things we literally haven't seen. He's on pace to be the first 30-60 guy in baseball history. I mean, what more do you have to do? But Mookie Betts said, hold the phone. This will be a fun one to watch down the stretch. Rays, Yankees, switching gears here. Look, I don't I don't have much to say on this, but it's it's worth talking about because this is not the first incident between these two teams. I think everybody can look, everybody who follows the American League closely can look at this and recognize that you could say that the Yankees Rays, Yankee, maybe even the Yankees Blue Jays is a stronger rivalry than the Yankees Red Sox right now. And it's stuff like this that adds to that narrative, which I, for the record, I'm I'm a believer in. I, I think the Yankees-Rays is much more significant of a rivalry than the Yankees-Red Sox right now, which, I mean, whatever. I mean, I I wish it was like it used to be with the Yankees and Red Sox, but until, until these teams sign guys that stick around for longer than, than a year, a la Justin Turner, guys like that. Like if you have a team that's consistently comprised of rentals and and one year deals, you're just not going to have it. And so I think Judge endeavors those those deals were a good start, but we're going to need a little more. All I have to say, not to get off track, Yankees and Rays, uh, as I mentioned, not the first incident between these two. You can go back to, um, I think the CC. The CC incident when when he it was like his if you recall that was like his last start of the season uh that year if I if I recall that that would have been was that 18 19 
I don't even remember when he retired, but it was the last start of whatever season he was in, I believe. And he, he needed to reach, I think it was an innings minimum to get like a $500,000 bonus. It's a pretty interesting story. If you're not familiar with it, uh, I'm some of you may be, but if you're not go, go look it up, it's actually pretty interesting throws it. I don't even remember who he throws at, but it was to protect his guy or whatever. And he's like barking, coming off the mound, misses out on the bonus. Uh, but you've got that incident. You've got, uh, what was that? A role Chapman and Mike Brasso, friend of the pod, Yankee killer. Uh, Brasso just taking him deep in, that would have been 2020. That was like the weird postseason because that was in San Diego, if I recall, Petco Park. So there's been just a lot of, like a lot of throwing it heads, a lot of bench clearing situations between these two teams. And there, as I mentioned, there was two on Sunday. I think it was right. The finale two on Sunday. Um, but the highlight of all of this was Brandon Lau's comments after the fact, making, making waves a little bit. Brandon Lau comes out and, uh, I don't have the direct quote here, but to paraphrase, he basically said that we're dealing with the last place team versus a team in contention. They're not worth our time. I don't want to say that that was just the absolute final nail in the coffin that already had like 6,000 nails in it, but Brandon Lau put the final nail in the Yankees coffin in 2023 with that comment because, look, man, the Yankees just can't figure it out. And they're all looking around right now. They're pushing this whole narrative of, it's right in front of us. The front, the ownership, the front office, Boone, even Judge got sucked into the narrative, uh, which I don't know if that if they pushed him into that to say that to kind of appease some fans or whatever. They they're saying it's all in front of us. It's not. You've run out of time. We're done talking about the Yankees. The season for you all is over. You hate to, you hate to see it end at the. At the expense of the Rays just going for your throat, literally. But, I mean, this, who knows, man? This rivalry might not even blossom into much of anything if the Yankees continue to just suck against the Rays. Like, you can't even really call it a rivalry if it's not if it's not uh, split a little bit more down the middle. But for now, this season series is over. They won't see each other until next year. So, we'll see what happens with that. But... Just just worth noting, this uh, little scuffle, if you will, it wasn't even really a brawl, did make did make headlines, so I wanted to address that. Uh, Shohei Otani, keeping the line moving here. A little bit of an interesting story here. I don't know what facts to believe. I don't know what facts to ignore, or not facts. I don't know what uh, rumors or uh, conspiracies to ignore here. But it came out this weekend that Shohei Otani had not received imaging following his August 3rd start. He gets pulled because of cramping. And then, uh, let me make sure I got my, my numbers here right. Returned to the mound six days later. And then, if you recall, skipped the skipped his next turn in the rotation because of arm fatigue. 
you hear that headline and you go, okay, Angels, what are we doing? How do you not how do you not take care of the greatest player in the game, the greatest player on your team? How do you not how do you not handle this? How do you not stay on top of his health, stay on top of the tests that need to be run, the imaging that needs to be done? How do you how? 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 And then and then it comes out, which again, don't know if I believe this, although I thought about it and it seems like it's pretty clear why this was the case, but it came out that Shohei Otani had declined imaging. And you probably, if, if you're not familiar with it, you're probably wondering, why would he do that? Why wouldn't you want to make sure your health is up to hundred percent and make sure that everything is checked out. Everything is clear. Everything's good to go. So you can get back to doing what you're doing during this magical season. I read that it wasn't just Otani, but rather that it was his camp, which then leads you to believe, okay, they didn't want anything. They didn't want any red flags popping up in pursuit of this contract because if something comes up, if you say, if, if you just, if you, if you give yourself up to the test, you say, okay, let's, let's do what we have to do. Let's go into the back room. Let's run the exams. Let's do what we have to do to, uh, rule anything out. If something does pop up, if a red flag pops up, that only further damages your case come this off season in pursuit of what I think we can all assume is going to be the largest contract in baseball history. Any any red flag, owners, ownership groups are all just licking their chops with every little ding to the armor that Shohei Otani reveals because that means that, sure, like, like it's common sense. Sure, you're still going to want Shohei Otani, but that, that we just talked about last episode or last episode, maybe the one before that, everything that comes out like this is one less thing that you have to account for when you open up your checkbook. You say, well, look, in a perfect world, this is the, this is the perfect package here, but you've got this test that shows that a little bit of damage to the UCL tear, even if something else happens throughout the remainder of the season that further decreases his value owners, it's it's sick. I know it sound it sounds weird, but they're they're loving this. They're loving this because they're going, well, of course, we're gonna hope for a healthy show. Hey, when we get him, like we're gonna do our what we can to to sign him and to get his health back up to as close to hundred percent as we can, following any sort of surgery that needs to take place, whatever. And it, it's just like arbitration. You're gonna you're gonna throw out everything that you think is wrong with the guy, and every reason you're gonna give the Angels, or you're, rather, you're gonna give Shohei every reason to believe like he's damaged goods, even though he may not be. But that's how you get your foot in the door in this conversation. That's how you position your your organization in a place that you can attain a guy like Shohei. And who knows, as as this story with Shohei develops throughout the remainder of the year. Again, if something else happens, like if there's another minor injury that maybe puts him on the shelf on the 10 day IL or something, 15, whatever, this may open up the field to some other bidders who maybe previously weren't in this when the, 
their projected contract was going to be 500 600 million dollars who knows if if this gets dropped down 100 mil or even more that may change the whole landscape here with the Shohei sweepstakes so it'll be an interesting interesting thing to see but just kind of a I don't want to say shady, but just like a very peculiar story to come out this weekend, hearing that Otani and their camp decline imaging. It's just, I don't know. You just hate to see it for the Angels. You hate to see it for Shohei. It's just a no, a no feel-good story whatsoever. No, no good feelings here at all. I hate it. Uh, but, you know, let's hope Otani gets back to doing what he does uh, because the game as you would imagine, is a lot better with him as close to 100% as possible. So all that to say, a little weird, but when you really look at it, it makes sense why they did what they did, assuming that's why they did it. Uh, but just just strange. Um, that was really all I wanted to run through. I It seemed like a lot to me. You may be thinking otherwise, but again, running this thing solo here, I think I went a little longer than I thought I would. So... I don't know if that's good for me for kind of, mil- I don't want to say milking the clock here, but making the most of my time. Or if maybe I just rambled on and on and you're just going, God, when is this episode over? When when can we get Nate back? Uh, hopefully Nate will be back this Thursday. Uh, we should be able to run it back. Um, normal, normal day, normal time, uh, barring any further developments. But like I said, some, Last minute emergency came up with Nate. He's good, no worries there, but some things he had to attend to. So as I as I mentioned on, on the top, uh had to run this thing solo. So I appreciate you all sticking around with me. Um as always, just running through the checklist here. And I, I genuinely mean this. This isn't just like a box I'm I'm trying to check off here, but really would appreciate if uh if you guys would subscribe on YouTube. Again, you don't have to watch our videos if you just subscribe. We're trying to get to 1K on there. Once we do that, we'll be in a good spot as a brand, as a podcast. So any help you can provide there would be greatly appreciated. Uh, And as always, use our promo code for SeatGeek if you're trying to make it to a game this last month of the season. Or even better, if you're a fan of a team that's in contention and you're looking ahead to maybe some postseason tickets... Use our promo code if you haven't already, 30TAKE. It's T-H-R-E-E-O-H-T-A-K-E. It's our social handle in case you need, in case you didn't hear it or you don't want to rewind. It's our social handle. Uh, I think it's all caps. I don't know if it really matters if it's all caps, but if it doesn't work for you, try all caps. Uh, again, that's uh, that'll take 20, that'll save you $20 off your first purchase uh, on SeatGeek. And you can save that cash that you... The, the cash that you save, you can put towards a dog. You can put towards a beer, whatever, whatever you fancy. And again, it doesn't even have to be at a baseball game. You could go to a concert. You could go to a festival. We learned earlier this month that you can go to the circus on SeatGeek. It's all there for you. They have millions of events, millions of options. They got something for you. They got something for the whole family. So use our promo code 30 take to save $20 instantly. Uh, as I mentioned, that's about all I really wanted to get to. If you made it this deep, I appreciate you. I love you. I thank you for sticking around with me again. This is like my third or fourth solo. It's always an interesting situation, but I, you know, it's, it's a Monday. 
I wanted to give you all something to get your week started rather than nothing at all. So again, if you stuck around this long, I appreciate you and we will see you all Thursday.